Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold! Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong! And with me, Dr. Zahn. We're bringing a little uh, undercover Hong Kong action to you this week with some uh, talks about... What are we doing? Oh, right. City on Fire and Infernal Affairs. <coughs> Why are you talking like that? I don't know. <coughs> How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Um, I'm on a sabbatical. Oh, right. You were. <laughs> I had to have a little quiet time to um, gather my thoughts uh, and to um, just reassess the direction that my life is taking. And what have you discovered about your the direction your life has taken in the past week? I sleep a lot. <laughs> mm. uh. Watch a lot of uh, um, wrestling. Yeah, and sleep a lot. I, I have found a uh, park to walk my dogs. That um, I, I, it's very. Uh, if if this doesn't get my cardiovascular shape or get my cardiovascular system in shape, I don't know what will. Although I will say this now: that when you walk really early in the morning, mm-hmm. um, there it's almost like. Kramer at the old folks' home because there's nothing but like old people that get up that early just to go walk. And uh, the best thing to do is not have too much conversation because you won't get much walking done. A little less conversation, a little more action. Yes. Um, Somebody said that one time, and I believe it was a guy called the King Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, this conversation is relaxing. I had a a week of work, Uh and that's about it. I got a. I I I think I mentioned that I got a bookcase delivered, and it's still sitting in the box right next to my front door where I sat for the last week. Um, I've yet to even open the box. Well, it might be damaged your, for all I know. You need to give yourself a break. I mean, you put that bed together. <laughs> yeah. So. Woo. Yeah, I did put the bed together seven days ago. <laughs> it took you seven days to turn it over, but I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm still exhausted. That's all right. I bought some kind of a little shelving thing, like a, like it's a plastic thing that you can just put together for my downstairs bathroom. And um, it is still in the box, and I bet you I bought it over 
and probably a year ago. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I bought this bookshelf, or I don't. It's, I guess it's a bookshelf from IKEA. Um, I probably bought it in maybe 2011. Mm. And it, Whoa! <laughs> and nice. it sat in my hallway until I moved this past July. It's still in the package. I got the movers to move it. Still in the package. Move it all the way here, where it then sat in my spare room. And then my parents came to visit a couple weeks ago, and I told my dad I didn't want it, so he took it home. <laughs> nice. Never. Ne- well, he already used it. My mom said he put it up, and he put all of his car washing stuff on it in the garage. <laughs> well, there you go. You gave your dad a gift. Yeah. I give my dad a gift, and he gives it back to me, like, a, say, I don't know, three to six months later. I... I I, I'm worried that I did that. It's, you know, sometimes when you wake up at like four in the morning, uh, you kind of think about odd things. And for some reason, so also when they visited, I had this kind of this electric lantern, and I'd had it for years. And for some reason, this morning it just dawned on me because when they were here, I was like, I've never, I don't think I've ever used this thing once. It's just in the way, and blah blah blah. And I woke up at four a.m. this morning, and for some reason, it popped right in my head. I was like. Fuck, my dad gave me that years ago. And all I did for like five minutes was talk about how it was just in the way all the time and I've never used it and I gave it to him to take on. Yeah, there you go. I, I woke up the, I wish I wish I would have had that. I woke up the other day and I was out of a, a sleep and I saw someone standing by my recliner uh with the cord from my shop vac and they were like winding it up like they were like around their hands like they were walking towards me to strangle me and so that was kind of funny nah what (laughs) and then you woke up and realized the cord you would wrap the own cord around your neck i wish (laughs) it's right there man um (laughs) me and david carradine what what have you been watching this week Okay. Let's Besides wrestling, fucking shit. Or what wrestling? What wrestling have you been watching? Well, just um, let's see. I watched on some wrestling. What did I watch? I watched a lot of uh, uh, New Japan stuff with nice. uh, Antonio Inoki. Um, not a lot, but some. And yeah. um, I watched. Um, God damn it! Some fucking super old. WWA wrestling, which was from Indianapolis, and um, Dick the Bruiser. Yes, and Bobby Heenan was the uh, young kid, probably sixteen years old, that was taking the ring jackets from the wrestlers. Nice. I love watching that old stuff like that because number one, they they had to have been piping in uh, crowd sound because <laughs> they had one set of bleachers. Um, the, the camera was pointing towards the ring and there was a section of bleachers like all, right on the other side, nothing on the other three sides of the ring. And there looked to be, I think I tried to count and there might have been 50 people sitting there. And the wrestling looks something like uh, out of Barton Fink when they were having him shoot a wrestling movie yeah. or I don't know. It's hard to say, but you know, it it looks hokey. It's kind of like watching Star Star Trek the original series or Doctor Who, the original <laughs> like black and white. And I like that, even though it looks hokey compared to today. Yeah, it makes me really nostalgic 
and for a simpler time. <laughs> did you uh, did you read Don Fargo's book yet? Uh, no, I have not because I've been reading so much other crap. Uh, but that's my next one. I started to. I think I read like the first chapter. Okay. But then it's, what it's the good. Um, but he talks about he talks about Dick the Bruiser and Dr. how what a, what a what a prankster he was. He was a prankster. He liked guns. Um, I don't know if this is in the book or anything, but he his um, son-in-law, his daughter married like a couple of guys. This one guy was a photographer. Ooh, Dick the Bruiser, and uh, <laughs> and um, uh, she also married uh, uh, at one time was married to this wrestler Spike Huber. And I can't remember which one it was, but um, he said he woke up one morning, and I guess their house was right beside Dick the Bruiser's house. And he woke up one morning, and Dick the Bruiser was sitting beside his bed in a chair with a Nazi, like a war helmet on, sitting there cleaning a gun and just staring at him. (laughs) And I guess it was like a a rib or a prank or whatever. I I don't know. But he's a funny guy. Funny. He's funny. Um, so anyway, 1986. In 1986, I watched a movie called Quicksilver, starring Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I watched it again this morning because when you're supposed <laughs> to watch like two movies for the show specifically, and you have yep. a limited amount of time to watch them before we do the show, yep, the yep. F- best thing that you should do is watch one of them, and then watch a fucking Kevin Bacon movie that has nothing to do with anything. That's for free on YouTube for no reason to take up time. Uh, it's uh, he's a bike messenger. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> it's weird because at the time I would say Kevin Bacon was probably in his late twenties, mm-hmm. but at the beginning he is uh, his character is a stockbroker and he's got a mustache which is fake and he looks. It looks like a some a kid that's trying to look like an older forty year old man, but is not pulling it off. Nice. And then he blows all his money and his parents' retirement fund on the stock market and becomes a fucking bike messenger, which is cool at the time. I think they were trying to hoping that it would take <laughs> off. It was. It's really stupid, but it, this was right off of Footloose. So we saw it in the theater, and um, it's so 80s that it's awesome. Anyway, next thing I watched, I had Jamie Gertz and like Paul Rodriguez and Louis Anderson in it. I watched uh, God, 2000- Did Louis Anderson ride a bike? Yes, and he was fat, too. He was so fat. <laughs> nice. Uh, and he dead. Yes, he is. Yeah, see, it's probably because of that movie, uh, the lack <laughs> of success of that movie. Um I watched a rated R movie from 2003 called <gasps> In the Cut. What? And it was directed and written by Jane Campion. Okay. And um, let's see. It stars Meg Ryan after, okay, now she used to be like a real cutie. Yeah. And this is when she's probably like 40. And she had had like a lot of... Uh, is it not? Oh, not Botox. What is it they shoot in their lips? Something. It's not halogen because that's a light. Collagen. Oh, uh, collagen. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But I think she toned it down just a little bit because, man, she had some awful duck lips. But she made this, and this was presented as this. Uh, 
really uh, risque thriller because <laughs> Meg Ryan. Now, of course, when she was super young and super cute, I mean, God, when she was young, she was like, wow, you know, really cute. Um, she, I don't think she did any nudity. So she waited till she was 40 to reinvent herself and do something wild to, to, uh, you know, stand out and get her name back in the spotlight. Right. But this is actually pretty good. The first time okay. I saw it, I was kind of like, meh. But I watched it this time, and uh, it's sleazy as shit. Sleaze fucking E. Mark <laughs> Ruffalo, this might be the first movie that I saw him in, and it's her and him are the main people. And it's got Jennifer Jason Lee in it, too. But it is so fucking sleazy. You know, it's like, uh, do you, I, want, I want you to touch your clit. Like, he's talking to her on the phone. I want you to touch your clit. Now I want you to finger your pussy. Yeah, finger your cunt and all this stuff. And everything. he's talking, like, real dirty to her and everything. And she's, like, getting off on it. But a woman wrote it. So it's kind of it's probably kind of like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey or something. Where if, <laughs> if uh, uh, like, if a woman, if, if a guy wrote this movie and a guy, and then, yeah. they would come out and they'd say, oh, this is so disgusting. A woman would never like something like that. That's a, you know, yeah, try saying something like that to me, and I would fucking tell you to go fuck yourself and everything. But then, when a movie like this is written by a woman, and like Meg Ryan's all on board for it and everything, they're, uh, they're, they're like, oh my god, it's so hot. It's so liberating and everything. It's like, oh, okay, whatever. Let's <laughs> uh, see. Uh, this is from uh, like a week or so ago. The German Doctor from 2013. It's, it seems... I guess maybe it just was released over here because uh, uh, oh, uh, the uh, American release date is 2014 or April. But it's good. This is a good one. It was on iTunes. Uh, um, I don't know if it was independent iTunes or like the foreign section or whatever. Um, but it is very good. Um, directed by Lucia Buenzo. Um, and it's um, just a to give somebody an idea of what it's about, uh, the Nazis after World War II, after they were defeated, um, the Odessa smuggled a whole bunch of them to different parts of the world, including uh, South America, like Argentina, and uh, Dr. Mengele uh, went down there, and nobody knew who he was, and uh, you know he was just living among people, and uh, so it was pretty good. Uh, it, it definitely. Uh, Oh, that's good. I don't want to give anything else away. Yeah, I didn't know what it was about um, when I saw your description of it. I definitely want to see it. There's some parts in it that uh, are kind of chilling. Uh, let's see. Um, I watched from 1959. This is a real good one. Uh, the pick, or It's called Pickpocket. Just one word, Pickpocket. And it was directed and written by Robert Bresson. Uh, and uh, it's fucking pretty good. It's a uh, character study of... Uh, Kind of a fucked up person who uh, their their livelihood and their compulsion is being a pickpocket. It's a pretty awesome movie. I'll uh, see. Let me look on IMDb. The Zero Theorem from 2013 by Terry Gilliam. 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 Uh, this is uh, Christoph Waltz. It's got a cute little honey in it. Um, if you like. Terry Gilliam, 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 Gilliam. <laughs> Gilliam, yes. Yeah, if you like his movies, um, you'll probably like this. It didn't set my world on fire, 
But because, I mean, he's very odd. He's an odd duck. Yes. Um, But, you know, eh, it's okay. Fading Gigolo from 2013, uh, directed and written by John Turturro. Now, I had seen another movie um, with that he wrote and directed like a long time ago when he was pretty young. And it was really good. And I, for some reason, when I first saw the poster for this, I thought Woody Allen probably directed it because he's actually in it. He's a big part of this movie. But uh, he is just a character in this. And John Turturro is a good writer and a good director. Check it out. Very good movie. I liked it a lot. Um, the Prince with uh, Jason Patrick, who did not go to Horror Hound. Uh, Bruce Willis and John Cusack. Oh. You can miss this one. It's not bad, but it's uh, uh, those three guys cashing a paycheck. But uh, lots of action. It's a, That's a new one, too. And I watched... Danton, Mike, yes, Danton <laughs> from 2013, uh, The Deadliest Prey. I contributed to David A. Pryor and his. Well, actually, I think I contributed on the uh, fundraiser deal when they were trying to make this fucking thing, right. and uh, uh, it didn't. They didn't raise enough money the first time. Now he got somebody to fucking give him some cash, and he brought Mike Danton uh, back to life. And it's uh, and and then uh, what? Like a week or two weeks later, it came out on somebody posted the whole thing on YouTube for free. But I don't feel <laughs> ripped off because I. <laughs> it was I don't know. It was all right. It was you know. It's, it's well, it, it wasn't the first one I imagine. David A. Pryor, huh? It probably wasn't as good as the first. It's not, but when you go into it. Um, Knowing, you know, what kind of right. movies they make and everything, and I, I, I and uh, people have slowed down considerably. And yeah. Mike Danton is—he's not even a killing machine. I think sometimes he could just like look at people, like if there were a hundred guys standing around him, he could just give them a stare, and they all just fall down dead. They, that's that's close <laughs> to what was happening. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I I, I support what they do because I think that they are fucking, they make some fucking I'll tell you what, now Deadly Prey is a classic this one has a couple of homages to that, one in particular where Danton is gearing up for the final battle Yeah, and he opens up his like war chest and he starts pulling things out to put on and there's something did you watch this yet? No, I, I did. Okay. I did revisit Deadly Prey this week. Just I was to, fishing around because I thought you would watch this, so you'll you'll see what it is. And okay. when you see, maybe I watch it. Maybe I like, watch it tonight. You'll be like, "Oh my god, that's so fucking funny." Anyway, so that's it. Um, I had a pretty slow week. Um, I would have forgotten Deadly Prey entirely if you hadn't mentioned that you just watched that. So I did watch Deadly Prey. I've seen this quite a few times and I still even 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 now I can like play Game Boy and still kind of half watch this movie and I'm still laughing at it just like <laughs> I just look up and he's like jumps out of the leaves and ah, oh, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> um yeah, still really good. So I was just kind of uh refreshing myself since it did appear on YouTube that <laughs> we're finally going to watch it. Um 
and uh, a deadliest prey. I mean, just because I, I figured there would be some some references. And having watched just the like opening credits, they're exactly the same as the opening credits of Deadly Prey with all with like the gun, loading guns and stuff like that. So there's probably going to be a, like a lot of little stuff too. But Deadly Prey is still awesome. Um, I watched this was just random. I just turned on Netflix and just kind of I did the whole suggested for you and i'm not sure why maybe because i've watched a bunch of steven seagal shit but jack reacher <laughs> was yeah. was one of my recommended movies but it was good um do you think the, ted Pryor could have played jack reacher i think so now maybe not in 1986 but um rosamund or whatever her name is mm-hmm. uh pike is pretty hot and Sammy shows her cleavage like her. In who sam you well, I mean, he doesn't I mean, find her attractive, and he does not think she is a good actress. I mean, I don't know that she was a. I mean, she didn't really stand out except for the cleavage, but. <laughs> I mean, There's I, something I wouldn't about say she's her, a, though, you know? Yeah, she's cute. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like Richard Jenkins, too. And Tom Cruise was good. I like the character. Um, I, I think you had said before that this might end up being a series or maybe that was the idea. So it'd be nice to see a few of these made. Yeah, I guess um, it, was some, it was a, you know, a character in some books. Yeah. But I don't know. It'd be cool if they reading. could make a series out of this, even if Tom Cruise wasn't John, Tom Cruise is, even if Tom Cruise wasn't Jack Reacher, I think it could still work fine. You know, like the, like a James Bond type yeah. series. Not that many, obviously, and not the, He's not out the prestige, there. but, but yeah, it's kind of a neat character. So, the, the the tra- the, <laughs> the vigilante the yeah, the traveling military detective lawyer martial arts master <laughs> i don't need the law um let's see i after i watched that i don't know why but i maybe want to watch 7 um the david fincher movie which i had not seen in years and it's still really good um Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman and a little bit of Paltrow. You know what I remember about this when it first came out, other than I think Brad Pitt like really got hurt uh, when he was chasing the the bad guy and mm-hmm. he fell in the rain and the bad guy got the got the drop on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he I think he cut his hand really bad or something like that. And he- but the thing that I remember when this first came out was, um, I watch it now and it probably wouldn't bother me at all. But when it first came out in the theater, it was really odd because Brad Pitt was so young. He seemed like he was only like maybe like in his early 20s and he was supposed to be this detective. But now, you know, I guess because we know, you know, Brad Pitt, this was like coming off of probably Thelma and Louise or something yeah. like that. And I, I think his baby face doesn't, doesn't, didn't help that. Yeah. But he, I mean, he was, he was in his early 30s when he did this. Um, like thirty-two, maybe thirty-one. Mm. So I mean, I mean, being a rookie detective wasn't too far off from yeah. that age. But he did, he did, he always looked a lot younger than he is. Yeah. You know, now that you see him and he's, you know, he's fifty-two, you're like, what the fuck, <laughs> you know? Brad Pitt. So he doesn't look that yeah. much goddamn different, though. You know? No. Lucky no. bastard. What a still fucker. skinny. Still, you know. What a horrible life he must lead. Um. <laughs> Uh, I watched Blue Ruin on Netflix. What's this all about? Um, <laughs> it 
Go into it. Have you seen? Never heard about it. Okay. Go into it. Go into it cold. Hmm? It is a. It's a thriller, and it's. It takes place in Virginia. Um, It's very low budget. It's kind of a. Kind of a vengeance kind of movie. But go go into it cold because it's very well done. Um, There's nobody, no names in it that I recognized at all. Macon Blair, Kevin, I, I, I could, I couldn't imagine there was much of a budget on this outside of renting the cars and the guns that they use. Um, it's very tense. I was very nervous while I was watching it. It's, it's really good though. It's, it's an hour and a half. You can check it out on Netflix now. It's just, got, it just popped up on Instant last week. So, now wait a minute. Was it the movie that made you nervous and tense, or is it just like you know? Well, it's just life in general, and then like that movie kind of like was amplifying it a little bit. Mm. Um, and then uh, I finished up the week with Rushmore um, one I saw in the theater multiple times one I've seen multiple times since then and I still like it quite a bit um, the chick from Sabotage the chick from Sabotage and the I like uh, her a lot what? I like her a lot when she was young and I like her yeah she looked a lot different than she does now yeah, she's a MILF now. Um, or, my, you know, my age, so I guess it wouldn't be a MILF. And, well, I uh, guess it could be. Well, yeah, I mean, as long as you have a kid, you can, you can be a MILF, right? Um, and um, I wanna, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go and watch um, Scott Pilgrim again, just because now I'm in a Jason Schwartzman mood. So, uh, And Bill Murray, still fantastic. Herman Bloom. I, I love this movie. Still one of my favorite Wes Anderson fil- flicks, so... Wes Anderson, ooh, yeah, what a fucker. Mm, and that was it. That's all I watched. Oh, and I watched wrestling too. I've I've got this fucking giant four horsemen compilation that I've been slowly transferring into my iTunes library. It's like it's each file is about two to two and a half hours long, and there's like forty three of them. Nice. Yeah, so I've been watching the early the early days still of the Four Horsemen before they called themselves as such. Um, they were still just the the cousins and nephews and all that stuff. And Tully Blanchard was still kind of the outside guy. JJ uh, was wearing a blue, uh, a sky blue tuxedo. Well, where where I am, I have not even seen JJ yet. Oh. so this is he was this probably is, managing Buddy Landell at the time. Yeah, this is this is uh, Ole and Arn first starting their tag team. This is Ric Flair feuding with kind of everybody. He just kind of he just did his weekly coming out and saying Wahoo McDaniel's. Why did people call him Nick Daniels? And then yeah, because it was McDaniel, but they called it they made it plural. McDaniel's. But I think it, there at one time Wahoo toward the end of his career Wahoo went heel and was teaming with Tully Blanchard. And Flair was actually like teaming up with Dirty Roads. That's weird. Yeah. And um, then there, then another one, a really good match on there was Tully Blanchard and Don Kernodal. Mm-hmm. And everybody fucking called Kernodal Kernoodle. Kernoodle, yeah. And I remember that I, too. I, the dude, okay, in the same interview, I forgot who he was. Maybe it's because he didn't want to use his real name. So no, he said his own his, name. He said Kernodal. And then the dude right talking to him says Kernoodle right in his face. I know. I swear to God, I wanted to ask him about that at fucking, <laughs> I was going to say Horror Hound, at the fucking wrestling, at FanFest. Because it's, I remember that too, and it would drive me crazy. 
Kernoodle. Because I thought, okay, if my name was Kernoodle and I was a, fam- a professional wrestler, I would change my name to like yeah. Jack Reacher or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I, I just don't, I don't know. Maybe they called him that as a joke and it just kind of, I don't know. I don't know. He's very right. heavy now. Yeah, well, he was still he was he was kind of thick back then. Yeah, but I mean, he was in good shape. But I mean, God, yeah. now he's like one of those like a uh, rotund Ken Patera like obese kind of guy. I will. Um, I'm going to send you some of that Detroit stuff I got. Okay. okay. Keep an eye on the Dropbox. Oh my God. Cool. Uh, let's Looking take a break and uh, come back and what? We'll talk about nothing. Just some girls. City. Butt. Well, well, okay. We'll talk about City on Fire right after this. Okay. Hi, this is famous Hollywood producer, Robert Evans. You know, I've made a lot of powerful enemies during my time in Hollywood. Like the time I pushed Steve McQueen in front of a moving car on the set of The Getaway because he was macking on my lady, Allie McGraw. But I've made one great friend, a boffo friend, if you will, since I retired. It's called Show Show, and it's the best fucking movie podcast ever. It's even better than cocaine, which I would know a lot about. Visit Show Show at showshow.podomatic.com or search Show Show, all one word, in the iTunes store. I get in some shit. Yeah. Deep cover on the incognito tip. Killing motherfuckers if I have to. Filling gaps too. Let your niggas know I'm coming at you. I guess that's part of the game. But I feel for the nigga who think he just gonna come and change things with the swiftness. So get it right with the quickness. And let me handle my business, yo. I'm on a mission and my mission won't stop. Until I get the nigga maxing at the top. I hope you get his ass before he drop. King Ben kicking back while his workers lay his rocks. Coming up like a fat rat. Big money, big cars, big bodyguards on his back. So it's difficult to get but I got the hooker with somebody who knows how to get in contact with you. Get him like this and like that. Right. Let him know that I'm looking for a big fat dope sack. Uh, so, City on Fire. From 1987. Zom, you got another easy synopsis here. Yes, I do. An undercover cop infiltrates a gang of thieves who plan to rob a jewelry store. Yeah. So this is direct. This is also called Lung Fu Fong Wan. You got an um, easy one there. <laughs> yeah, Lung Fu Fong Wan. Um, starring our buddy Chow Yun Fat, also Danny Lee, and some other people. Um, this is directed by Ringo Lam. This would be the fourth. No, third movie I think we've 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 reviewed from Ringo Lamb. We did Full Contact, correct? We did that, right? Correct. And Prison on Fire, mm. um, which is also another all three Chow Yun Fat movies. He also did one another On Fire movie that I am wanting to see called School on Fire. Um, I don't know if it's an action movie though. It might be a drama. But as he long did as three. It doesn't have Corey Haim in it. I'm down. Yeah. Wait, we reviewed that too. Yes. Um, 
And I do want to see his Van Damme movies, Maximum Risk, and he did one other one, I think. Have you seen those? Is that the one with Natasha Henstridge? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've seen that one. Although, I mean, I appreciate her form from the Species <laughs> movie. Um, so, City on Fire is... Um, it's, it's The legend has it. The, the, the video box says balls and charisma. The legend has it that it was the inspiration for Reservoir Dogs. Now... Maybe the last it's, ten minutes of it. Yeah, it's a little more straightforward, I guess, in its in its plot than a Reservoir Dogs because Reservoir Dogs you have the the you you have pretty much the botched um, uh, heist and then the the fallout afterwards. Then the movie's all the fallout afterwards. You don't really even see the the fuck up. Right. This one is a couple fuck ups and a bunch of cops arguing and and and. Chow Yun Fat dancing in slow motion. <laughs> um, uh oh. What's up? I heard the squeak. I was afraid no, it was I'm just something scratching else. my head. <laughs> not like not like you know. Right. So there's and the uh, I, I've probably mentioned it before. There's there's something and I like this this something, but there's something about the look of an '80s Hong Kong movie, even '90s probably. But it's like it's a very specific film quality. It's probably just cheap film, but it it always looks like uh, like well er, like early eighties Japanese films kind of look like this. But Hong Kong film in general, um, after Shaw, because Shaw had some really nice looking. I think they used expensive stuff, but um, a lot of the eighties actioners they, they're very grainy. Um, but it's like there's something about it that has that nostalgic feeling to it, and this this is not no exception here. Um, and this this show this this show this movie again, as it seems like many of his films do, kind of becomes the the Chow Yun Fat charisma show. <laughs> and he's he's pretty good in this all around. He's he's funny. Um, Fucking, I, I I think it's always odd. Now if somebody has a big like thick cigar in their mouth and they're chewing mm-hmm. on it. It's just, you know, not a big thing. But when somebody has a cigarette in their mouth and they <laughs> chew on the cigarette and they, I mean, it's like he's eating the fucking cigarettes. He's, he, he's working with the cigarettes. Like, yeah. And, and hey, I don't know that, I mean, maybe in his newer stuff, I don't think in any of his eighties movies, did he ever not smoke? Mm. Um, and Half the time, I don't even know if he's smoking. He's just chomping on it. And yeah. he, I mean, he talks. It never falls out of his mouth. It never... I don't know. He looks cool, and he, and he can do that fucking trick with the, with the match. He does it in this movie where he flicks it like with his thumb to light it. He just lights it one-handed. Lots of practice. That poor guy. I bet he's going to end up with lung cancer or something. Uh, um, but, uh, but he... You know, besides the chomping on the cig, I mean, he's he's got this girlfriend, and she's unfortunately named Hung, I think, or yeah, Hung. Not a very feminine sounding name, unless you're a lady boy. Yeah, but uh, oh, I shouldn't say that because I know somebody <laughs> named Hung. The um, the relationship between the two of them is it's entertaining. Uh, he he, he kind of strings her along. He's an undercover cop. Um, 
you, you, when you see him, he's wearing a bow tie. He kind of, he's very, um, he's like an easygoing guy. And, um, what kind of fashion statement was he trying to make with those, uh, like combat boots with his pants tucked in? And- yeah, he uh, he wore that too. So he would he would have a necktie, but then jeans tucked in. It's like something Emilio boots. Estevez would wear in an, <laughs> yeah. in an '80s movie with Craig Schaffer. But he, whatever. <laughs> 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 he's very. I mean, he's very serious. I guess when he's at work, um, unless he's acting. But with his girlfriend, he's I think it's and it becomes a problem with him. He's very light light with her and um she wants him to settle down. They never go into exactly why he won't. I had a I had a feeling that he he pushes her back because she doesn't know what he does for a living and he's afraid of, you know, not showing not coming home. He can be a bit obnoxious with her. He is. He he is definitely, like he's definitely obnoxious. And, uh, with her pooping and stuff like that <laughs> yeah he, i mean he follows her into the bathroom he shanks her he uh um piss stinks too <laughs> he, when she goes into the bathroom he comes running out talking about how bad it stinks she's like i'm just urinating he's like pissed pissed smelly too and the his her roommate's <laughs> there he chases her roommate off by just sh- by dropping trowel and like right. sh- Wagging his dong at her, and he's, she goes he's running. A, he's a happy-go-lucky kind of guy. He's the kind of guy that's like kind of clownish, and at the right times, that's endearing. But then, when you're like that all the time, it can be kind of uh, uh, annoying. Or at least that's what like a lot of my ex-girlfriends say. Oh, he um, <laughs> fuck <laughs> bitches. I'm just uh, happy all the time. <laughs> I'm trying to be fun. He, uh, I love the part. Like he's just he does when you said endearing. Like, that's the character they yeah. that Lamb and him create. It's because he's he is he's he seems to be always in a good mood for the most part. And like I love the part when he's like I said he's dancing in slow motion. That made me just laugh out loud. He's like singing a little song like oh ho 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 dee dee. Well, is and, that the time when the girl drops something and he like? Acts like he's gonna bend over to help her yeah. up on the street, and then he just like stands up and dances at her. Yeah, yeah, um, he's an odd duck. But he he has a lot of little touches like that. He he dries his feet or like warms his feet or something. He's like sitting there loading a gun, chomping on a cigarette, and um, taping a, a a wire to his belly. <laughs> and all and it, it it the the scene starts with panning up with he's picking up his feet and like warming his feet by this space heater which is like a totally like throwaway little moment but it was a neat little you know characterization i guess which was kind of cool um and i i really liked him doing the little the the stunt on the escalator when he's sliding down and yeah. you know, they have those knobs that are there to keep you from doing that and he does the little butt hops right over them I'd I don't be really think I curious. Would time to, it well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'd, be left I'd be really curious to see the the outtake from that because there's I I can't imagine that was a one shot thing. Um, Some people maybe are coordinated was. though. I am not coordinated. Oh no, I would have hit the first one and gone tumbling. Yeah, they would just leave like a butt, bloody trail, and my <laughs> anal sphincter would be like on like stuck to the corner of one of those things. Um, the movie in a uh, in very Hong Kong style starts with a. Uh, a sexy saxophone. Oh, God. <laughs> and we see the fucking saxophone. It's actually a homeless man sitting there. <laughs> yeah, not only do they fucking play the, the cheesy saxophone music, but then the guy's actually there playing it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. At least he wasn't um, like standing with uh, acid-washed jeans over a burning barrel with well, he, like, a bodybuilder guy doing it. You did, <laughs> but you did see immediately the dude with the uh, ponytail and the black trench coat, which is always a great fashion statement. But um, the, yeah, the 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 music in this, uh, I, I complain a lot about '80s Hong Kong movie music, but it was uh, not so bad in this. You know, I don't, I didn't notice it anyway, so I guess that's a good thing. I noticed that it was pretty crappy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just very '80s. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I guess one thing I took away from this is it's not the it's not it's not exactly a heroic bloodshed movie for the most part. It's it's a lot more and and we'll talk about this with the with the following movie as well. It's a lot more um set up as opposed to and, and tension as opposed to the, you know, sliding on oil, shooting two pistols at once kind of kind of thing, you know. So and, and I appreciate that about it. It's not what I expected. I had never, I had not seen this one. But you, you go a lot more into um, the relationships of the characters themselves, and and while some of it is kind of kind of hokey, it doesn't. It's not as like stringy melodrama as uh, as some of the other films I've seen. And that, maybe that's a maybe that's a, a Ringo Lamb thing because you know his his. The friendships that the guys make in the movies that I've seen of his are always pretty. Uh, they seem realistic. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not teary eyed all the time, and you know that sort of thing. Um, they love kicking each other through glass tables in Hong Kong movies. Uh, you get that in this one too. Doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the 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 setup of the story um, in this one, there's actually two jewelry heist. So you have the one at the beginning that kinds of kind of gets the ball rolling. It's it's a I, I liked it. It was pretty cool. It was not a very complex heist, but any time that guys are breaking into a you know, a bank is a bank. You've seen that a thousand times in movies. But breaking into one of these type rooms like when I watched um there's a movie I watched that Cops and Robbers movies where they break into the a place in Wall Street to steal bear bonds. That kind of thing is always pretty neat because there's a, it's a whole different dynamic of going through a series of locked doors or the whole elevator thing that they do or that sort of thing. So when it's outside of a bank, I always kind of I, I, I can get into that. But they're th- these the group of criminals, and they're not called Mister Pink and Mister White and all that. But Boney. they what's that? Bony. Bony, yeah. That was they one was one was called like fish something. Was that the other movie? Somebody had like fish head or something like that. Maybe that was in the other movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, that kind of sets it going. Their 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 heist almost goes wrong. Um, one lady gets away, and uh, there a couple of them are spotted. Um, but in the process, uh, uh, there's an undercover cop that is killed. Now was he was was he killed in this? In the the heist, or was this just coincidence that he was killed somewhere else, and they needed? I can't remember when that guy got shot exactly. Um, they, it was kind of like, uh, well, I, okay, I don't know if this is the one you're talking about, but um, Chow, was, he, yeah, he died, and then the, he the, kills a policeman. It's kind of like in if you reference Reservoir Dogs when 
the heist is going down and they're being shot at by the cops and Tim Roth oh he okay now Tim Roth shot a lady in Reservoir Dogs and then he's like holy shit you know I killed that woman yeah. well in this one the cops are after them and Co uh, Chow who is Chow Young Fat shoots a cop and now that was that and the then cop as soon that- as he shoots him he's like you could just see the look on his face like, oh, my God, you know, because he's so caught up in the moment and defending himself. Yeah. But then he realizes, I'm a cop. I just shot this guy. And, he's and, he, the, and that's the cop he takes the place of, correct? I think so. Okay. That was, that was, I was confused about who that cop was. But regardless, he, oh, you know, uh, after this one undercover cop has died, the, the, the um, what was this guy's name? Uh, was it? Inspector, yeah, Yu Sun plays Inspector Lau, um, Uncle Kung. They, uh, he is, he's getting on uh, as far as his career goes, and I guess age-wise too. Um, and I don't know if he is actually Chow's uncle or. Yeah, I've noticed if, that in, in a lot of these. Now that we've yeah. watched a bunch of these movies, when I first watched them, I thought that the guys were actually. Their uncles, and this was like a because I think it was maybe another Chow Young Fat movie, and he kept calling the guy uncle, and I thought it was like he was the screw up um, uh, nephew who only had a job because of his uncle. But I think they just call their older their elders. Yeah, I think I think it, uh, and a lot of the time that it, it is that it's just a, um, a a term of respect for elders. I don't I couldn't tell because you know even even the older lady. I guess the um, um, Inspector Lau's mom that he lives with, she says your uncle as well. So I, I couldn't tell if that was it was actually his uncle or just kind of his mentor throughout, and he just calls him that as that term of endearment. I, I'd li- I'd be curious to know because I don't know what it is the actual term because you know that it just translates to uncle. But regardless, he's com- he's getting on in his career, and um, he's always been who. Um, uh, Chow has worked with. So he gets, Chow gets, um, I guess, he has to take the dead guy's place. He wants out. He's tired of uh, being undercover, but he needs him to do this one last thing because he, Chow is, uh, he's close to the higher ups that would be planning this next heist, the, the, jewelry, the ring of jewelry thieves. Jewelry is a hard word for me to say for some reason. Jewelry. And it's a hard word for them to spell in this movie. <laughs> it always had too many L's or R's. Um, but um, did you notice the... I, there was a chick that this... At the beginning, uh, when the one dude gets stabbed, uh, there's a chick that looked like Bolo Young shopping for thongs. No, I did not notice <laughs> Bolo. Had, she had feathered hair, and, but she looked like 80s Bolo. Um, minus the muscles. Most obviously. women would die for a rack like Bolo. Yeah. Well, no, it was just the face, unfortunately for her. Um, but, uh, so he, you know, he's got to do this one last job and then you kind of, has nice lips. Yes. And tits. <laughs> Good Bolo. Good old Bolo. Um, so, you know, we, we get to see him at this point with his girlfriend, with his hung girl, girlfriend, <laughs> waka waka. Um, but he, you know, he's goofy there, but he, you know, 
he's kind of a prankster when he's on at work as well. Um, at one point, and it was probably just because the print is a little fuzzy, I thought he was wearing his bow tie with his shirt uh, with his shirt unbuttoned. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but it was just that he had a different colored shirt on underneath. But, um, yeah, I love the, like I said, I love the heist, the, the dude getting his hand stabbed through the desk chair and um, the, the, the infighting that usually happens in groups that are assembled in these movies. Um, and, uh, but, the, uh, you know, the, the big, the beef of this movie is him going in, as Chow going in, um, and, but unlike these other ones, it's 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 this new guy, this young guy that is kind of the he's the young replacement for Lao, and he wants to do things his way, um, and doesn't really realize even at first that Chow is a uh, undercover cop. So there's that whole back and forth between the procedural stuff and then chow making friends with his guys and working on their heist basically gun running for them at first and then um getting further in and further in so um the i love the the two shots that that one from a pistol sending this cop car just spiraling <laughs> into a huge explosion mm-hmm. you know i did i did mention that the <laughs> this is not a balls to the wall actioner but there are some pretty funny things like that in it this cop and, cars um, uh, they had some Giant lights on top. The, yes, I mean they yeah. stood up like three feet. <laughs> and um, the there's the Chinese like Etta James in it that made me laugh. You hear her sing a couple times. She's very angry looking. <laughs> she's, she's like scowling. She was like Dick but, the Bruiser with a wig on. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of like club scenes and 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 stuff like that and. Um, and brooding because his woman is like slobbering all over some, some nerd, some nerd dick, um, or they're going to Canada. Yeah, the he was probably part Canadian. You could tell. It's it's one thing I like a lot about undercover cop movies is, I guess the the tension that they can create. And um, again, like I said previously, we'll talk about it with the next one with. You know, is so and so going to get caught, or the whole cat and mouse game? And I felt like this one was lacking that a lot. Um, I love Chow Yun Fat in it, but I never felt like that sense of dread outside of maybe the last, maybe the last act. Um, the only time I felt it was um, when he was going to get the um, guns out of the locker the one time. Yeah, and but he I mean, looked around like, and he saw. I think he saw cops, and he was like, "Holy shit! You know what am I going to do? I have to do this." But there was a lot of pressure on him at that time because he was supposed to go meet his girlfriend. Hong, yes, to yeah. get married at that. But he, I, I really like that him giving them the slip. That was a cool little sequence there. Jesus Christ! When he jumped off that fucking thing. Uh, to get away from them, it was like he's like in a parking garage, I think, or something. Mm-hmm. And he jumped um, down to this like a like a not an awning, but like a overhang thing. Landed right. on top of that, and then jumped from that to the ground. And I read on the thing that they said that uh, Chow Young Fat actually did that. And I was like, I wouldn't have fucking done that because both my <laughs> knees would have went coming out of the top of my uh, 
legs. <laughs> I don't even want to like jump off the couch. No, I jump over my fence, and there's no. The older you get, and the fatter you get, there's like no shock absorbers. It's just like, oomph. like a big <laughs> like sack full of bricks. Uh, the um. Well, let's hear some of your notes here because I don't want to give away any of the story. Yeah. The some of this didn't work for me though. Well, I will say this. Okay, now as we said before, if you're, I had never seen this, right. and I saw Reservoir Dogs, and I thought, oh, you know, everybody says, oh, this is the what they uh, Quentin Tarantino based Reservoir Dogs on, and then I'm watching and watching and watching and watching and watching and watching and watching, and then. When I start to see things that resemble Reservoir Dogs, was probably seriously in the last maybe twelve to f- not even fifteen minutes. I don't think of the right, movie. right, right. Um, the one thing that I think, if you go into it looking at it like uh, expecting it to be like Reservoir Dogs and to see a lot of shit like that, you'll be disappointed. And I think that kind of threw me off. Because I started feeling the length of the movie. This is like about two hours. Yeah. And um, they do a lot to... I I think where it screws up, um, maybe, is because um, I, I don't think they spent enough time developing a relationship between um chow and the the guys Ooh. in the gang yeah foo uh, especially the the guy that right. he's played by Dan, danny lee where they actually like they, they they there should have been more time with them where they're together they show them when they first meet and they don't know each other and um they basically treat chow like shit because they don't know if he's a cop or if he's you know what what he is so they you know they are patting him down and you know kind of being a dick to him and everything because he's just some guy that they don't even know that's selling him guns but then uh you have just this brief period of time really brief where they are at their um hideaway and the the, the boss comes in and says okay no but everybody has to stay here until the heist. And mm-hmm. they're like stuck in this this little apartment or whatever. And you have just a brief thing where that you can kind of see that they have developed a, a little bit of a, a friendship, but it's it's way too brief. If it would have been, if they would have established uh, more where they developed kind of like a, a real liking for each other, it would have worked more. But they spent a lot of time with Chow and his girlfriend. Yeah, and the girlfriend is completely worthless. Yeah. And I mean, there's some funny scenes in it, but Chow Yun-Fat can be... That guy can be likable anywhere. He doesn't need that 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 kind of relationship right. mel- melded in. I mean, he could have like showed his ass another time <laughs> just been, you know, with, for, that, for that funny moment. But, but I, I think that um, they did... I, I liked the tension... That um, he has because even though he's a cop, you have a shitload. Most most of the tension is cops chasing him. 
Yeah. Because they don't know who he is, and they don't know that he is. But then undercover, right? But then again, there was a good part of the time when they did know, and they were still fucking. You know, there was just yeah. there was a lot of pressure on him. With with the girl because he he was trying to juggle everything he was trying to do this like one last job undercover job because he's like I got to get out of this he goes I'm I fucking I'm not doing it anymore so it's this you know his old boss saying you know okay I just need you one last time and he's like okay one last time and I think that he he's the kind of guy that probably he handles the pressure well and and you know because he kind of clowns around and stuff like that but um then he's got this thing where he's trying to juggle both of them he's trying to juggle his personal life and he's trying to juggle uh his job and you know he can't really tell his girlfriend hey you know my life's on the line here you fucking bitch so could you fucking quit busting <laughs> my nuts for a second you know um but i'm like you i i think that um they could have trimmed this down yeah. Uh, to about an hour and a half, they could have replaced every scene with Hung with scenes with the guy, uh, the dude with the zip-up brown coat instead. Right. Right. Yeah. Because it it just they needed they needed a little bit more of that. I did like the. I mean, it was the, the last part of it was pretty action packed, and yeah. you did have some. Um, a few scenes before that where he was being pursued by the cops. And like I said, he jumped off that thing, which was pretty, pretty cool. And, uh, uh, he, re- now he must've been pretty young in this because he was running like a motherfucker. I, <laughs> yeah. He was a man all out. Yeah. I could not run like that. Um, but, uh, he's a very likable guy. I, th- I think, uh, Chow Young fat is, uh, I like, um, uh, like the prison movie we saw, he he can play the clownish guy, mm-hmm. but man, when he wants to play the badass, like in mm-hmm. uh, fucking um, either the killer or uh, hard boiled or replacement killers, I mean, he can just be fucking stone. It's like a d- totally different guy. Yeah, you know, he's he's like this super uber cool guy, but he's in really these good. movies, he's uh, he gives you a little bit of everything. There's a reason why he's our only double magnificent bastard guy. Which <laughs> is fat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you got anything else? Nah. Okay. Um, yeah, the, this, this was not a letdown by any means. Um, I, I kind of wish I didn't go in with the Reservoir Dogs in my head. Yeah. It didn't ruin the movie by any means. It's still a solid movie. Um, I'm curious what, because I mean, it's not fair to exactly compare it because they are end up ultimately different movies. But I'm curious what my feelings of it would be if I'd never seen Reservoir Dogs right. before. Um, that said, um, still solid, very solid. I'd give it a seven point two five. It's not my favorite Ringo Lamb movie, but you know, it's it's good. Pretty good. Um, I'll give it a straight up seven. I li- okay. I liked it. I just. Um, I think that um, they could have. I don't know. I just didn't. Eh, I, I, it lacked some kind of oomph there. I wanted there to be more action and less. Um, less hung. Less hung. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, let's take a break and come back and we'll do uh, uh, Infernal Affairs, the first of three 
Infernal Affairs movies. Uh, we'll be right back. No one would have believed in the first years of the 21st century that Hammer films were being watched from an entertainment standpoint. No one could have dreamed that Amicus films were being scrutinized as someone with a microscope studies creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Few men even considered the possibility that this area of film still had anything to offer. And yet, across the gulf of space, minds immeasurably superior to our own regarded this podcast with envious eyes. And slowly and surely, they drew their plans against it. The Hamacus Podcast. Hammer and Amicus, and every tenuous link in between. Hamacus.com and iTunes. Cheers. I've never heard that song. Oh, Ronald Reagan hated that song. <laughs> Have you? Did you see the uh, pictures of Lebrun with his uh, chest hair out over the weekend? Huh. That dude doesn't believe in buttons, man. Um, he got chastised about that at um, a horror hound one time by <laughs> by a, a total strange stranger and a uh, well who was a attractive young lass. Why would you get on somebody for that? She approached him, and she walked over, and and like he he was kind of uh, thinking, hey, mm. and uh, she looked at him. She <laughs> told him that his chest hair was nasty. What a cunt! He thought he thought she was like coming over to hit on him. <sighs> My friends and I have been standing over there looking at you, and we just wanted to tell you that's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> What is wrong with people? Eh. All right. Infernal Affairs or Mugan Do. <laughs> yeah. A story between a mole in the police department and an undercover cop. <laughs> Their objectives are the same to find out who is the mole and who is the cop. <laughs> um, st- directed by Y. Kyung Lao or Andrew Lao, as he was told, uh, called in this. Um, starring Andy Lau, I don't know if they are related. Um, Tony Chu Wai Lung, who I recognize from what was the name of that movie? In the Mood for Love, which is pretty fantastic if you've not seen it. Um, and Anthony Wong appears in here a little bit, and he's not gross, but he's not really all that badass either. He's kind of in between. So, and some other people in there. So. Zom, you had never seen this. Nope, nope. 
Nope. But you had, just like the last one, seen the movie that it was inspired by. Wait, no, the movie that it inspired. I, so, I own this, okay. but I never watched it for some reason. Well, So what did you think of all... Do you have the second and the third movies? No. No. Okay. No, no. Okay. So what did you think of Infernal Affairs? Okay. I will not um, try and create a, um, a facade of mystery about how I feel about this movie. <laughs> I thought it was fucking awesome. Yes. Um, <laughs> now... I feel now this may be uh, a, a divisive statement. Okay. I may be I may be saying something that some people will not agree with. I found this to be superior to the Martin Scorsese movie, The Departed. I I'm I'm, I'm going to assume that I feel the same way, mainly because I've seen The Departed once in the theater, and that's it. This movie I have revisited more than more than a couple times in the last five years. Okay, um, I can still remember the first time I watched it was on my fucking computer at the at work at the movie theater, and I've <laughs> seen it since then. Um, and I'd only seen The Departed in the theater. Not that I disliked it. I don't know. I but I've just never revisited it for whatever. The Departed reason. did not light my fire. Number one. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, after watching this, okay, I think this is uh, a lot. It's a tighter film, well, hour yeah. and a half. Okay, uh, which I think is better. I think that Scorsese kind of drew. Uh, okay, now, now that movie was loaded. You know, you had Jack Nicholson, you had uh, Marky Mark, you had fucking Leonardo, you had uh, you know. Uh, Alec Baldwin, there was a bunch of people in it. Vera Firminga and all the shit. Okay. And they changed some stuff around uh, in that one where they were uh, the, t- the two, the antagonist and the protagonist were seeing the same woman. Whereas mm-hmm. in this one, there are two different women. Okay. And so I, 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 I'm okay with that he changed some things around and kind of made it his own, you know, it's very similar. Now, this is not like the last movie where the last 10 minutes of City on Fire inspired Quentin Tarantino to, you know, make Reservoir Dogs. Uh, This is pretty much bam, 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 bam. And then Scorsese changed some of the personal stuff with uh, the love story around. Um, and yeah, the, course, I tell you, know, you the, a couple. Of, I, I remember the very last scene of The Departed, mm-hmm. and I remember Jack Nicholson like slobbering and gurgling and falling into a dumpster. <laughs> and, and he really Nicholson. I think also that um, Scorsese was uh, making it more of. A, well, he definitely made it more of an, an American. Movie, uh, he set it in Boston, but he also uh, was. He put the Jack Nicholson character in there who was uh, totally a carbon copy of uh, the real life Irish gangster, uh, White, Whitey Bulger. Um, 
So and, he, you know, and that's so admitted. The, so the Jack Nicholson character was supposed to be the, um, the guy, the guy with the bleached hair in this, right? Right. Okay. Now, um, of course, in this movie, um, that guy is he is a menacing guy and everything, but he is not the like the the main focus where Nicholson, you know, is just chewing up his yeah. every, the scenery and. He's so over the top in some parts of it that it's like, uh, you know, uh, right. but, but this, you know, the, there's, there's always going to be a comparison between the two, but like I said, right off the bat, um, I like this one more. Um, now the, the whole storyline of this, it's just, um, and, and it says the writer is Alan Mack and Felix Chong. Okay. Uh, this is an awesome fucking story that right off the bat you have the police who are basically creating um, a deep cover um, mole to infiltrate these crime families. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And at the exact same time, or even maybe not the exact same time, well, yeah, I guess. Well, it has to be, yeah, because they went to school together. <laughs> the 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 gangsters are like, okay, what we want to do is we want to take some young guys, you know, very young guys, and send them to the police academy, and they're going to be basically deep undercover guys with the cops working for us, subverting what the cops are doing, tipping us off, blah 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 blah, bad cops, um, and so. Just the whole setup at the beginning when they show the guys going to the police academy and everything and what happens. Um, as I'm watching it, because I had seen The Departed, I was kind of like watching this and thinking, okay, this is the <clears throat> this is the Matt Damon character. This is the Leonardo DiCaprio character, and trying to you know <laughs> kind of you know do it like that. Um, but I really, though I have seen The Departed, probably. I don't know, four or five times. I had forgotten enough about it to where I really was enjoying watching this unfold. Yeah. And um there was um there's one scene in it that is a reveal for the good cop and I had forgotten all about that. And then when it happened, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, remember, remember that now. Now I know what, <laughs> what's going to happen. But um, this one, um, I will say this. the Both the lead actors are excellent. Uh, I thought that, um, oh, shit. The, the, um, you, have, you have Chen and, and you have Lao. Have- What's the okay? You have Chen Wing Yan or Yan, or they call him Yan, I think. That's Lao. Um, Inspector what? Lao Kin Ming. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, here we go. Okay, okay. You have okay, there's Anthony Wong, who we know who he is, and he did not play a gross, sleazy person in this. No. He plays the Martin Sheen character in this because <laughs> <laughs> just to keep everybody straight, you know, or keep myself straight. Now, um, God damn it, I'm getting everybody mixed up. Andy Lau is 
is and and it's not going to spoil anything to say who is who. Andy Lau is the very angular, good-looking Inspector Lau. He's Matt who, Damon. He okay. Okay, you see, I don't remember enough about the Departed and to make those Wing connections. Chen Yan as Tony Lung. He's, yes, so Andy Lau is Leonardo the mole. DiCaprio. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Chen. Yes. Yan. <laughs> Yan is 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 DiCaprio. You have yes, Yan and, and Lau, or is it Yan me? and Lau? Yes. Okay. Yan and. Wow. Okay. So, anyway, both of these guys are fucking awesome. Now, Yan, there are times in this where, okay, first of all, when they showed him at the beginning at uh, getting recruited and at the police academy, he is so clean cut that when they show him and he's undercover, to me, he doesn't. It's it, it doesn't even look like the same guy. He kind of looks like Eddie Guerrero. Because he's kind of <laughs> oh my god! I watched um, fucking uh, Fall Brawl '95 the other day, and Eddie Guerrero was watching the Arn Anderson and uh, tell, uh, Arn Anderson Ric Flair match, and he was so fat. Yeah, he <laughs> he was, was really so puffy. Oh my god! He looked terrible. Yeah. Anyway, continue. <laughs> I think he tried to put too much weight on so that he could be with the big boys and not be a vanilla midget. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, and. Um, like you said, uh, Lau is more he's, – he's kind of an angular guy. He's, there, he's a, more of a handsome guy. But I think that that is because um, he's, he takes the role of the policeman and, so, and detective and everything. So he's always wearing the suits and looking you know, sharp and everything. Whereas um, Yan is thrust into the depths of – you know, the underworld, and he plays yeah. kind of a street hood. And the thing about that is, um, he is fucking deep, 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 deep cover. Because at first, when they said that he was with um, this mob boss that he is, that, that, that created the whole thing about putting these young guys undercover in the, as, as in the police academy to become cops. Mm-hmm. Um, Yan goes to work for this guy, and he says, "You know, he's he. I think he says something about he worked. He's worked with him for three or four years. So, at first, I was like, okay, well, you know, that's quite a bit of time. But then later on, he's talking about uh, how long he had been undercover, and he had been undercover for ten fucking years. (laughs) And so, and and so to get his, you know, bona fides." And, you know, all this, he probably, you know, started out just on the street. Well, they, they showed it. I mean, where he was just constantly being, uh, getting in trouble with the law, um, for fights, for all the shit, then getting noticed and being brought up, you know, uh, doing petty robbery shit and all this stuff and everything. So then he gets in. Now, he, getting into the confidence of these people is. You know, my God, he's if he works for the guy for three or four years, I mean, uh, you know, Jesus Christ, uh, I I wouldn't even suspect the motherfucker. But he <laughs> still is considered one of the newer guys. Yeah. In that in that gang, which I think is funny because the way they talk, you would think, okay, they just brought him in, but like Chow Young Fat in the last movie, I mean, he was just brought into that gang. He was so new that, I mean, I would think he would be the first person they would suspect. Now, this one, um, Yan 
they they think of him as the newest member of the gang, but then he sits there and says that he's been with that guy for three or four years. So I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's not exactly you know fucking new. Um, I like how um, he communicates with um, uh, Wong. Anthony Wong. Yeah, that's that was a Inspector cool moment. Wong. What's that? Uh, that was a really cool moment uh, when you realized what they were doing. Yeah, because I did not know that that was not in The Departed. Right. How they were communicating. And when they were in, um, there was so much tension. There was so much use of cell phones and shit in this, the flip yep. phones. Uh, that was the high tech thing at the time. They didn't have the smartphones at the time. <laughs> like the flip phones were a big thing. And uh, they used the phones as a prop so many times, like. Where an uh, our, our the phone will start ringing at the most impromptu time. They had pagers in in City on Fire. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> you, you see the te- how the technology changes because in City on Fire the guy's like, "All I, I want all the pagers on the table," you know, <laughs> and then you're like, "What?" <laughs> so, and if you if you what was it a uh, seven seven three four and turn it upside down, it says hell. <laughs> But anyway, or the, just, the boobs, yes, eight or five eight zero zero eight, yeah. But in this one, you have the cell phone thing, and you have Wong. The one scene that was really tense was um, there was there's a lot of drug smuggling going on in this, and it revolves around that where the the bad guys are trying to smuggle drugs and like cocaine, and um, of course the cops are trying to stop them. Uh, the bad guys have a mole in with the cops and the cops have a mole in with the bad guys. But there is, there's, there's a couple of different scenes where some shit was going to go down and the cops have been tipped off, but the bad guys are very technically, um, both sides are technically proficient. Uh, and the, uh, cops have all these computers and stuff where they can triangulate, um, uh, cell phone signals and all this and that to find out where people are and everything. And they're in this big room and all the cops are sitting with uh, uh, headphones on in front of computers and they're they're trying to track these cell phone signals and all this shit. But Inspector Wong is sitting there and he's got an earpiece in. And like somebody says something to him and he's like, Shh! you know, and, and I was like, what the fuck? What's he doing? You know, because <laughs> they were cutting back and forth between uh, the bad guys and the, the cop mole and the good guys in their, in their command center. And I was like, you saw the, the headset, but then the bad guy, the, the, uh, uh, the godfather kind of bad guy, uh, who was Jack, be Jack Nicholson in the other movie, uh, he had a headset on too. And I'm like, is he fucking talking to Wong? Is he, are they communicating? But no, they both were communicating with their inside men, and I couldn't figure out what the fuck was going on. And Wong and Yan, the way they were communicating was fucking ingenious. I yeah. loved how smart that was. Um, now, I will say this. Yan was a cool motherfucker. Yes. Because I would have been fucking sweating. I would have been fucking, <laughs> have like a big piss stain in my pants 90% of the time <laughs> with the shit that was going on. Now, they really played it up more in The Departed that um, the pressure. 
Uh, yeah. As far as him going to a psychiatrist, him okay. being hooked on like antidepressants and downers or whatever to calm him down. Whereas in this one, he goes to the shrink, um, and it's not a poli- in the departed. It's a it's a uh, police. Um, like this woman works for the cops to talk to cops that have post-traumatic stress th- and everything. I think this is a police thing too, isn't it? Is it? I don't know. I couldn't well, figure out why he, he says, had started he going. He says to her, I'm a cop, and she, and they just laugh. She like because, laughs, right? Yeah, they don't. she thinks he's just joking. Um, he's going huh. to her, and he's, the, the most part about this I couldn't figure it out at first was I, apparently he has a lot of trouble sleeping, and he would go. I don't know if she hypnotizes him or what, but he would go to her office. <laughs> he and really lay, likes that chair. Yeah, this couch-like chair thing, and just lay there and sleep. And she'd sit in the other room and count the minutes or whatever, you know, and then say, okay. She was playing solitaire on her fucking computer. Yeah. So I think he would just come there, and it was just like a relaxing atmosphere or something, or she was helping him relax and sleep. But I liked how, I, I, like I said, in, in the Scorsese movie, the dynamic of having the two of them seeing the same woman, that added something to it. That was an interesting turn. But in this one, they don't have that, and it doesn't um, really hurt anything. Yeah. Uh, Ye- uh, um, Lau has his wife, and they have their little, you know, their, their life together and everything, and his life is all cool. And Yan is seeing this psychiatrist woman, but it's not like played up like a, a a huge thing for the majority of the movie. So that cuts a lot of that shit out. The the <laughs> the uh, the whole thing in the other movie where they did the Whitey Bulger thing with uh, Jack Nicholson that adds a lot more time to the other one, and you really didn't need it. Other than you have Jack, so you're you're like you're not going to give him the, the you're you're not going to put Jack Nicholson in in this movie and give him the the same the same comment. role because then you're like well that's a waste of Jack Nicholson yeah it's a waste of money and a waste of Jack Nicholson um, but uh, this this the the way that things it's like a cat and mouse game where both sides realize that there's a mole. And both sides are trying to find out who the mole is. Both moles are fucking trying to outsmart each other. Now, it didn't seem like um, Lau was so entrenched and so uh, respected and everything that I didn't see he, – he was more of a cool customer – because nobody, I don't think anybody suspects him at all of anything. Uh, there, whereas Yan is, he plays it really cool, but his life is on the fucking line. And all, the, all the time. All the fucking time. 24 fucking hours a day. And um, I, I really like that. I like the relationship that they build subtly between him and Inspector Wong, his boss, who is mm-hmm. Anthony Wong. Because I'm telling you what, there was a scene in this where something happens to Inspector Wong and the music and everything they play, it fucking got me a little choked up. <laughs> <laughs> it really did. I was like, uh, you know, because it was just, I knew what was going to happen because I had seen The Departed. Yeah. 
but I did not feel the um, the emotion, the, the, the impact from it. Well, the impact <laughs> from it. figuratively and literally, maybe right uh, in in that movie that I did in this one. This was like his connection. This was his guru. This was his Obi Wan. This was his dad kind of figure, and uh, I really felt it in this one. Uh, whereas in The Departed, it was kind of like, you know, it, it served its purpose, but it wasn't that, there wasn't that emotional connection between DiCaprio and Martin Sheen. I didn't feel that. Yeah. Um, now, there, I, I like how they, um, I forgot about um, some things that happened towards the end uh and but I do like how um they didn't feel the need to wrap it up the way they did in the departed. And I like how that um I wonder if any of that's covered in the sequels, because I haven't seen the sequels. Well, I, I think that um Inspector Lau, the, the bad mole, it seemed like it was left open because there was a point where he was almost like, um, I don't know if I would say having a crisis of conscience, but um, where he even says that he wants to do something and Yan is like, you know, well, that's, fine and dandy but you know you can fuck yourself (laughs) but even in the end now that i'm thinking about it there could be it could get have went two different ways now of course like you said they may cover that in the sequels yeah is he going to go because his 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 wife was talking about writing that book and that leaves leaves it that was a that was a cool little parallel there with her saying oh you know her book's evolving as his character is evolving. It was kind of a neat little touch. So I, I really, I, I like that. And I'm, I'm curious. I, I haven't heard anything about the sequels, so I don't know. I haven't heard if they're good. I haven't heard if they're bad. Um, so I, this, the way that they left this one makes me want to watch them to see how this is going to play out and everything. So, but anyway, um, what's your thoughts? Um, this, like I said, I'd seen this one a few times. Um, I always thought the, the opening credits sequence. Now it makes a little sense with what they, with the quote they close on, but the, uh, the the opening credits I always thought never fit this movie. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> it was like it, it, it was like an adventure movie, yeah, <laughs> with this like big grand music and, um, but uh, yeah, it was a cool thing. Like it, it, and I couldn't imagine having that kind of dedication that uh, that Yan has, where it's it's um, oh, Infernal Affairs two is a prequel actually. Oh. Um, that's interesting. It has uh, where, where the dedication it would take, where he is pulled out of this police academy because they see something in him that will make a good undercover cop, and he's essentially erased. Um, and that's just that's such a cool little, uh, I guess, story element. But I could not imagine in real life, you know, tomorrow at work, they're like, 
you're so good at doing this. Let's just erase you from existence. Nobody's going to know you're still alive and you're going to go work in California doing this and blah, blah, blah. Like I couldn't imagine, like I couldn't ever be dedicated to something like that. But, um, I, I like the way they meet, um, and where that ends up. They, him and, uh, Wong and Yan always meet mm-hmm. very high up. I'll just say that. And I like where that ends up. Um, by the end of the movie, which is a kind of a neat touch and something I didn't realize they did in Hong Kong, which is pretty crazy if it's a real thing. Um, but um, the I, I just really dig the back and forth in this with the two undercovers, especially, you know, you see them doing their thing at the same time during the drug bust at the beginning with the different radio frequencies, the hidden messages. the Yeah, the, yeah and it's... And then the, when they start the back and forth with each other, almost seeing each other, almost catching each other, maybe not even knowing who each other is, it's pretty crazy. It's cool. And and Yan is, it's I like the the whole thing about you know, oh come on, just one more time, just one more time, just one more time, with where Wong, you know, he wants out, he wants to be pulled out of this and to just be normal. But Yan, he's so successful and he's in so deep. It's like, you know, just we just need you to do this. We just and it just goes on and on and on. He's getting to the point where he's like, you know, no motherfucker, I'm sick of this because it's not like he's going undercover, and then when he's not around those guys, he goes back to his house and and has this life. He is living this life. He's living mm-hmm. this shitty life, you know, with these you know, scumbags. You never, and you never even see his. You see. Um, Lau, you see Inspector Lau's personal life. Right. A lot of his character development happens partially at home as well. You don't see, besides him hanging out with other henchmen and that dude with the horrible 90s hair. He's 24 7. Yeah. And you never, you don't see him. I mean, well, you get a, you get a brief glimpse with, you get, you get him being human with his psychiatrist. And then you have this one chick who they um, imply that, yeah, he yeah he had some kind of history with, um, and a lot more than he knows. Right, <laughs> maybe. But I'm but I'm maybe sick. maybe yeah. not. Right, right, and they don't, they never really say, and he he remains a mystery, which is kind of a neat touch. And then, um, well, and I don't know if this is just me being ignorant, but there's a few moments in this during shootouts where. So the the cops in China wear very very obvious outfits. They usually have those like I don't know what they're called the sashes, I guess. Like the, it's like a belt and a yeah. shoulder thing. They 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 stand out. They're usually like tan outfits or whatever. But the the detectives wear very nicely tailored suits, and all the triad members wear the same exact same clothing. Now their hair can be a little wild, but. A lot of the times, for me, in shootouts in this movie... It's hard to tell who's who. It's hard to tell who's who, and I kind of wonder... I mean, at first, I was like, hey, I'm just dumb, I can't keep up with that. <laughs> but then I wonder, maybe they kind of do that on purpose, to do just to kind of add to that blurred line between, you know, identity in this. So, I, and it's not something I ever thought about before I was watching it today. I was like, hey, man, this scene in particular in the hotel, like... I never know who the fuck who's who, but maybe that's the point. Yeah, it's just like two gangs. Yeah, you know, whether they're cops or, or robbers, they're both just two two gangs fighting for power. Well, and it, I guess of. except for Yan, who wears he always wears this one 
leather jacket. And I, I think that's in def, definitely intentional because the, the story's essentially focused on him. They want him to stand out in some way. So, yeah. um, yeah. So, and, and then, and then the boss with the blonde hair or silver or whatever color his hair is. So uh, a big I, dog outside. I will say this. Um, that cast must have been made out of porcelain because there's no <laughs> fucking way. I mean, I have, uh, you know, a, a goddamn cast. I mean, it's not just going to shatter like that. <laughs> but that's that's just a little thing. That's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that was it, coming, but I mean, it, it adds a at moment. least Nicholson took like a ball peen hammer and smashed it, you know. <laughs> cool. Well, we can get to our ratings here of it. Oh, let me think. I will give this the I'll give this a nine. I'm right there with you. I give it a nine too. It's is uh and I, I'm I'm excited to see the other one. So the the second one is a prequel and it's the third one says that it take it's months after the events of the original film. And there's a new mole for the triads. Moly, moly, moly. So I'm curious to see because there's a character in it I wasn't expecting to see. So I don't know how that's going to work. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I'm excited to see the other two now. Um, I don't know why I've put them off for so long, seeing as I've seen this one more than once. But uh, maybe I'll revisit The Departed, too. Yeah, we'll see. Cool, yeah. Double nines, not too shabby on Infernal Affairs. Yeah. Um, we got some feed sack this week, um, so we'll take a little break and come back and get into that. We'll be right back. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. It just really is. It's isn't. not visually striking. No. I'm just, just getting confirmation. It's just in That's the third time, though. I mean, I must, is this on? You can find us at csvsp.libson.com. So come and share the victory. If you could any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. He wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody... <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Just kept on keeping me 
In a total state of confusion She took me for a ride She rattled me down to my shoes Alright, um, thank you to the Lightning Bug and to Gronky for the music this week. I had to pick the third one. Usually there's a race for uh, the three songs, and uh, I only got two people chipping in this week. Come on, guys. Chip. Pick it up. Um, little feed sack here. Armin always making me, uh, making me read, making me sound bad. You have, to, you have to read it in a German accent. Oh, God. I'm, I'm terrible at accents, besides yeah, my own redneck accent. Um, and he starts with French. <laughs> Bonjour and guten tag to my favorite podcasters. Um, <clears throat> I hope you are well and everything is peachy in the great land of the free. While my pussy is lying warm and snoring on my lap, I thought about the what? I thought about the can you imagine, what does a snoring pussy look like? Um, <laughs> I thought about the myriad of different movie podcasts I am all trying to listen to and why I love yours so much. Uh, I think it must be the unique combination of great movie selections, showing your open-mindedness, interesting and likable personalities, and leftist politics. I have to say that you even made me a bit interested in in wrestling. <laughs> yes, of which I had never heard before a couple years ago, and then thought it was the most stupid and decadent form of entertainment possible. <laughs> what? Of course, of course, this opinion was built on lack of knowledge and pure prejudice. Thanks to you, I opened up and got a chance to reevaluate my opinion. Something that two such great guys like uh, like cannot be bad, or something that two such great guys like cannot be that bad. Well, it could be. Uh, <laughs> I was just listening to another podcast about the wonderful first Dirty Harry movie and was nearly driven crazy. Although it was a great discussion of the movie itself and presented many interesting facts about its makers and creation, the arrogant style and apparent political opinion of the podcasters made the whole thing unlistenable for me. I first thought mentioning the term leftist was kind of a satire, but now I think it was indeed meant serious, and one thing I cannot stand is arrogance in combination with stupidity, even in the face of impressive knowledge. I always thought uh, political opinions should have no place in a movie podcast unless they are left-wing, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Movie-wise, I watched a couple interesting flicks that both have valleys in their title. The first one is The Last Valley with Michael Caine, Omar Sharif, and Nigel Davenport. Have you seen that one? Another one that I own that is still in the cellophane, and I have never watched it. (laughs) Yes. Um, All of mine are officially out of the cellophane, whether I've seen them or not now, because I had that great dump into the uh, landfill of all my (laughs) DVD cases. The great dump of, what was that, 2000? It was was 2014. The great dump of 2014? There were two big dumps in 2014. Oh, there was more than that. (laughs) <laughs> um, oh, 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 sorry. <laughs> this to my knowledge uh one of the few movies taking place in the 17th century 30-year war <laughs> it was written as well as as directed by james uh clavel clavel and is an interesting piece on the futility of fanatic religion and the overcoming of adversities to stay alive in a very harsh time oh, i was trying to scratch my back with uh canned air <laughs> that's not gonna work at all. God damn, man! I think did I you fu- turn it upside down? Yes, and I think I fucking uh, you got frostbite. Yes, <laughs> it kind of hurts. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Um, there are several dialogues, mostly focusing on whose religion is better, or if there is a god in the face of such a brutal war that are pure gold. Uh, the second Valley movie was an Austrian revenge western. He posted the uh, screenshots of this one. It looks it looks cool. Yeah. Uh, revenge western that reminded me a lot of classic flicks like The Big Silence and High Plains Drifter. 
it is called uh, <laughs> Das das Tal, The Dark Valley, possibly, and is possibly not yet released in your corner of the planet. It has, I'm sure I could find it. All it has everything's st- released in our corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It has, uh, yeah, like Deadliest Prey. Um <laughs> It is. It's. Uh, it has a stunning landscape, great faces and beards, and a dark story. Like I like it. I did not see the main actor Sam Riley in anything else, but he was quite convincing as the silent stranger, acting a lot without any dialogue, like Gosling, but with more facial expressions than in Drive. Watch if you can. Watch if you can at some point. I'm finishing the third season of Boardwalk Empire tonight. Um, I'm quite surprised by the amazing quality of acting, storytelling, and designs of sets and clothing, and enjoy this more than some recent movies. This season has everything from early 20th century racism, political corruption, and headshots to erotic asphyxiation. Did you ever see Boardwalk Empire, and did you like it? That's it for now, folks. I hope you have a great week. I am enjoying your show as always. Greets, greets with a Z, from Germany, Armin. Have you seen Boardwalk Empire? I have the first season of Boardwalk Empire on DVD. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. watched the first two episodes, and I kind of set it off to the side, and I haven't uh, got back to it. I, uh, I am almost in the exact same boat. I watched like the first four. Mm-hmm. For some reason, it got pushed to the side, probably due to fringe or possibly breaking bad yeah. and then i never went back to it for whatever reason i liked what i saw and every time i go to get my hair cut now i show the new person if it's a new person a picture of michael pitt from that show mm-hmm. and say make me look like michael pitt and then when she's done laughing she cuts my hair kind of like his <laughs> i um it's just one of those things that uh I've said it a million times on here. Uh, ser- or, you know, a series or just—it's just—I don't know what it is. I just cannot stay. You know, it's like Hannibal, the uh, Boardwalk. Oh, Empire. Hannibal was so good too. That's another one I put down and never went back to. Doctor Who, all that stuff. I know that it's really good, and I know that I would really like it. But I just—I've have so many fucking movies that I'm watching and. You know, and then in between that, I'm usually throwing in some kind of wrestling stuff, and I or you know documentaries, whatever. It's just keeping up with it. I I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I and shouldn't then some, say I don't have the time, but I, I I guess I don't. And I think for me, sometimes like if I have a choice, like I'm sitting down. You know, we like to talk about what we've been watching and staying on top of movies and stuff, and it's like. I almost feel like a uh, a pressure in a way sometimes to watch some movies to talk about because I don't know that because we're not really a television podcast. I mean, I guess we talk about fucking wrestling and all kinds of stupid shit, but you know, <laughs> I mean, I guess if we talked about TV. It's not a, a yeah. big deal, but it's usually like if I have a choice between TV or movie, I'm going to go movie, and part of that is because I, we we can talk about it here. So, well, oh. and another thing is. Um there's so f- we have access to so fucking many movies that yeah. it's like okay i you can find a diamond in the rough you can revisit something that you really like or you know uh, and a lot of times with tv shows honest to god if i uh, with having netflix and it, it just right at my fingertips um i'm more likely to fucking uh put on like a star trek 
the original series episode or some old show, old series that I've watched and just where I can just uh, kind of do something else. Just pick up one fucking episode and just put it on. Like you said, it's kind of in the background or whatever, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, even like the, the Doctor Who's, like uh, when I started watching those, the, the real old ones, I get that nostalgia thing and I, I like and- the, the low budget, cheap. You know of it because it takes me back to a, a certain time and where uh, I think I think too with television is that there's such a commitment to it right with a movie even the longest fucking movies like Lord of the Rings nine fucking hours if you watch like the right. uncut things of the three movies but it's nine hours and then you're done with the whole story right. nine hours of Breaking Bad is like almost a season well I will say this too <laughs> like. Um, not that you know, I'm not crapping on Breaking Bad at all. It's one nah. of my favorites, oh, but yeah. you, you there, there's a there's a much bigger commitment there. But like, uh, say like some of the old series that like Star Trek, it doesn't it, it doesn't go. It's not yeah, like a you, serial you pick it up where anywhere. it goes from one episode to the next to the next to the next, and they're all intertwined. Each episode is a standalone episode. Right. So it's just like, you know, you don't have to keep following and following and following. It's not a chore, which it's not if you really get into a TV show. Sons of Anarchy, I, I watched that for a while. Justified, I watched that for, for quite a while. But uh, then, you know, I, I just I forget when they're on and I don't give yeah. a shit. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's do another feed sack here. This one's. Uh Voicemail. Here we go. Hey, dorks. Uh, this is your uh, <laughs> listener and uh, huge fan, uh, uh, Dave uh, from Texas. Uh, just want to tell you, I, I just just finished listening to the uh, Roadhouse episode and but just thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Our own I, personal I, I, I Danton right the here. First one Danton, I, I mean to, Dalton. I <laughs> you know, saw it in theater and watched it countless times since. Um, but uh um and the I, I gotta say the uh level of, of uh your examination of the level of homoeroticism <laughs> and it um went quite beyond uh like even my but uh, um, uh I, that, that's something that I've always joked about too, but man, you guys are just like you know above <laughs> and beyond gentlemen above and beyond um but uh i, I just wanted to tell you uh how much i enjoyed it and uh to tell you that that uh, i just relate a, a personal story about when i saw it in the theater in 1989 on a um but i was on a date uh, uh with a, a, good a you know, real uh sweet gal who, who i still know um but uh uh and we, you know we were enjoying the shit out of it in, in this uh little crappy theater in, in baytown texas and uh um but uh it was a kind of a rowdy crowd watching it um <laughs> and uh you know I, I assume it was a friday it was probably opening night uh but uh we're watching it and uh that bit when uh sam elliott um uh they're in a <clears throat> a diner and they've been up drinking all night and uh um, sam elliott unbuckles his pants to, to show <laughs> kelly lynch uh, a scar on his abdomen um this uh gentleman behind us literally like screamed i mean he didn't yell <laughs> it's it, it just he just yelled what he screamed he ain't wearing no drawers <laughs> and uh that's 
it's just, I mean, it's like one of my favorite movie-going experiences of all time. It's like, I I just, I mean, it's, you know, I've seen Roadhouse like a billion times. (laughs) That's just something that it's just like, you know, I I never, uh, it just never ceases to amaze me uh, that uh, that happened. And and, uh, it's uh, an indelible thing. So anyway, um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to to, uh, relate that story and hopefully that makes some sense. Um, but, uh, oh yeah. And just a, a note, like the, uh, the, uh, uh, uh I, I do work at, at the door at a bar, but, uh, um, it's, it's a pretty, uh, kind of class joint and on occasion you have to do some stuff, you know, you, it's never, I mean, it, it's never going to get physical. Like, you know, if you have to, if, if it's getting to that point and then, then it's like, Hey, you know, we're calling the cops, you know, but, <laughs> but, uh, uh, and we just don't let shitheads in first of all. You know, it's like that, that's when they come to the door. If it's you know, if there's a an issue or uh, uh, if they're already shit based, it's like no way, buddy. Sorry, <laughs> take it on down the street. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty low key for me. But uh, uh, but yeah, they're man. You get to see the uh, <laughs> not the best side of humanity. I tell you what, you know, it's, it's uh, I, I mean, I drank, and but I never acted like any of those fucking jerks. Uh, that there are a lot of these jerks that I've seen. Uh, it's um, it's pretty insane. So it's it's uh, definitely something that's uh, uh, not a uh, a long term thing for me. It's just a uh, an opportunity. But uh, but anyway, uh, I just want to tell you how much I love the show and uh, and love both of you guys and just keep doing. Just keep man. Uh, I don't know. It, it's just a bright spot of my week every week. So uh, y'all take it easy and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, bye bye. This guy needs to sing, man. He sounds like Junior Brown when he (laughs) he talks. Just doing his time on the highway patrol. (laughs) Um, It amazes me sometimes that I'll will record and like that. um, I was going to say issue, but that episode um, right there, it was so off to me because um, I woke up like fucking an hour. (laughs) <laughs> or more went from the time we were supposed to record because my alarm didn't go off. I was so fucking out of it. I was so groggy. I just felt like shit. I was like, ah, and we did it. And I thought some, it just does it was so off and it just seemed like it wasn't a good show. And then people will be like, man, that was yeah, a great. Show. We've, had some, we've had some good feedback on that one. So. And we, I will we did say this. Um, we probably, uh, we would not be welcome at Dave, Max Bar because no shitheads allowed. <laughs> oh. Uh. <laughs> if we walk up to the front door, they'd be like, nope. What do you mean? Look at that sign right there. <laughs> no shitheads allowed. Um, I, lo- no I love that he Pitt went. Look alikes. I love that he went opening night to Roadhouse with a date. That's pretty cool. What's the, what's the worst movie you've ever taken a date to? Oh my god! First, it can, it may, it, I can even make it more difficult. What's the worst one you've ever taken a first date to? Well, I mean, because I've taken like I took a date to Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> but this was after we knew each other for a while, and we yeah. both were like we were on the same page there. But I took a first date to see Cool Runnings. <laughs> god, I mean, I remember like. 
taking a girl to see Alien Nation with James Caan and Mandy <laughs> Patankin. <laughs> nice. But we both liked it. Um, okay. Lost Boys. <laughs> and then there's just date movies. Most of the date movies that I went to that I was like, were oh, all right. when I had been dating someone for a while and they usually picked the movie. And now it's ones that you own on DVD and and I'm like <laughs> watch why, multiple. Times. Why the fuck have I seen you know this movie and then I'll remember? Oh, that's right. You know, <laughs> once you get into a certain part of the relationship, it's like you could go, um, "Hey, um, let's go see this movie," and you're always going to get fucking you know. Oh, I don't really. Uh, why don't we go see this? This is really, and it'll be like some either kid animated movie or some rom com. Or God's Not Dead. Yeah. Well, God, that would be awesome. Um, <laughs> I do remember going to see the first X Men movie, and the chick that I was with, uh, the first scene where Hugh Jackman has like takes his shirt off. She, mm. there was an audible right beside me. She goes, oh. Like that, and then she looked over at me, and she goes, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." I mean, she awesome. like like almost like jizzed in her pants. Now, I, and that's another thing I thought to myself. Now, if I would have done that, you would have been in trouble. Like if a chick with like big, like if Olivia Wilde or somebody came on the screen, or uh, Sophia Vergara or some chick with big hooters, and and I was like. Ugh. They're such a double standard. You know how they are. You know how they are. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last feed sack. Hello. This is Matt Gronke. <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Oh, God. Big fan of the show, long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> My question is, who, in your mind, played the best Satan in movies? Thank you, and I'll take my answer off the air. Best... Satan in movies. Who played the best Satan in my life? But um, let me think. In movies, <sighs> I like De Niro in Angel Heart. <sighs> that fucking egg. <laughs> Hard boiled uh, egg. Let's see. Satan! I. Hmm. What about, I like um I like uh, uh, uh Pacino and Devil's Advocate. Mm-hmm. Is that spoiling anything to say that these people are <laughs> um uh Tim Curry's uh makeup in Legend was really cool. That was fucking <laughs> some uh, yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise. <laughs> Little Tommy Cruise. Let's see. I'm going to look up some actors who have played Satan. Look a little no, I haven't seen that. Yeah, there's Tim Curry. <laughs> George Burns. I did like Elizabeth uh, Hurley. She was the sexiest. Well, no. Well, I guess uh, she she was playing uh, the Ra- uh, Raquel Welch from the original. But Jesus Christ, Hurley with that snake and that red bikini was pretty fun. Ooh, yeah. Viggo Mortensen in The Prophecy. No, that was good. Um... What was the guy's okay, name I've, in Satanico Pandemonium that made all the nuns get horny? I like that. But <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Not memorable. Telly Savalas in the Lisa and the Devil. 
Eli Wallach Jack. played uh, Satan in uh, one of those biblical movies. I think it was the one with Max von Sydow. Uh, greatest story ever told. I'm going to stick with Pacino. I like him in Devil's yeah, Advocate. I got to go with yeah. De Niro. Cool. Hua. Hua. Wait, that's not De Niro. Yeah. Um. Cool. That's it for feed sack. <clears throat> you can always send us more of that to two zero six three three nine sixteen hundred. That was interactive Silva. feedback. It was Silva Gold Podcast at Gmail dot com. Uh, catch our show on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on our website at silvaandgold.com. Um, leave us some reviews on iTunes, or I think you can leave reviews on Stitcher, too, if I'm not mistaken. Get us up there. Let's get some more people listening to our great little show. <laughs> um, Please! <laughs> Please, just somebody listen. <laughs> um, so next week on the show... Okay, you know, uh, wait, 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 wait. You know the the old saying, if a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, does it make a sound? <laughs> Are we, in fact, recording Silva and Gold every week? <laughs> um, so, um, Zom's, is it older sister? Yes. Zom's well, they're older both sister. older sisters, but she's okay. my, yes. The the closest older sister. No, the maybe. oldest older sister. The oldest oldest sister. <laughs> the decrepit older sister of Oh, oh no way. No. <laughs> <laughs> um loved our um our show our our uh, Roadhouse show so much last week. Was so enthusiastic with her feedback and her pissing herself laughing that we decided to give her the reins and let her choose a couple flicks for us. So apparently she likes the illegal substances. <laughs> so next week she would like us to review uh, Gus Van Sant's Drugstore Cowboy from 1989, one I've never seen, which I'm excited to see. And we're going to do The Boost from 1988, one I've never even heard of. Ah, so James Woods and Sean Young. Sean Young, I that from uh, Blade Runner, right? Yeah, and James yeah. Woods of the really greasy, sleazy guy with a giant penis. And maybe we can talk about his republicanism. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> I did not Look know that. Yeah, sorry, I ruined it. Um, cool. So the boost and Definitely drugstore cowboy next week. Some uh, lighter notes than uh, for next episode because I will research. <laughs> Um, cool. So, uh, I think that's it for the show this week. Um, thank you everybody for listening and thanks for the feed sack. Um, I think I'm done. Zom, do you have anything else, sir? Nope. I gotta that's go to the it. bathroom. The bathroom awaits. Until next time, this is Aloof Oot. Hey, Zom. <laughs>